hello and welcome to Being Brasian. It's uh, been a long time, but we are back and we are back with a very special guest. So today we have a very special episode discussing the important topic of sexuality within the EC community. We invited a dear friend of mine to see below. Uh, Hi. <laughs> so that's fair to our discussion today. He's kindly agreed to answer all our questions around this subject. Um, thank you for joining us today. And it's really lovely to have you. We've known each other a long time, so we'll learn some new things about each other as well. Okay? A very long time. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> I suppose the first question we wanted to pose to you was, what was it like growing up as a Thai person and being gay? I've thought about this. It's it's an interesting one because I'm glad that you invited me onto this vlog. Thank you very much. I'm, I'm honoured to be here because it's, it's something I've never actually really spoken about. And every LGBT plus person's experience of coming out of life, of living as an LGBT plus person is different. I wouldn't be able to speak for any of them. But the one common sort of thing that I could share with some people is being Asian and being LGBT, especially as diaspora, especially as somebody who's grown up in the UK and specifically London. To be honest with you, being gay and being Thai hasn't been that difficult for me because I think you'll agree, Amra, that in sort of in my generation specifically, I'm probably the most prolific gay person in the whole community. Um, I don't think there's anyone else that's from, that probably stands out as much as I do. I mean, if, if they haven't come out yet, then I don't think they will. <laughs> um, you set the trend. You set the trend. I've, I've set yeah. the trend. And to be fair, I think because most of the people who'd immigrated to the UK from Thailand, who were part of our parents' generation, were already quite progressive. They were coming here because they were already sort of looking for a modern way of life. It wasn't just to come to make money or to come to sort of improve their opportunities. It was because they already had a sort of modern outlook on things, which is great. It's, it's difficult for me to say, you know, that I came out because I never did. I kind of felt as if I just sort of crashed onto the planet and that was it. I was there. If anything, it was society that turned around one day and said, OK, you're gay. And I was like, OK, well, that's what I am. That's what I am. But I never felt like there was a change in me or I had to sort of accept anything or come out because it was just me. I was always just me. People like yourself, Amra, I mean, we, you know, we used to sort of dance along to, you know, Madonna <laughs> and, you know, and whoever else sort of from a very early age. I'm not saying that that's what constitutes a gay person, but you definitely, you were definitely part of me expressing myself and me feeling very comfortable with who I am, you know. Yes. And I was really lucky to have Thai friends like you who actually never doubted who I was. But at the same time, you never sort of made me feel outside or, or made me feel like I was a different to you or to normal people and that I'm so grateful for. In terms of the Thai community that subject we can talk about in stages. I think to some degree and I say this blushing is I think most of the Thai community probably knew I was gay from a very early age. I was performing on the stage before I even hit puberty with you you know I was doing the equivalent of Britney Spears sort of like now would be on the stage so I think the Thai community always knew. The hard part was being gay probably to a Thai father and coming out to my family that was the hardest part I think I don't want to sort of take away from your later questions but for whatever reason I think when when you have fairly conservative parents even though everyone else might know and, and everyone else in the Thai community is comfortable with your gayness the conservative parents are always the last to sort of like see it because they don't want it to be that. My mum was always amazing. You know my mum, she's, she's fabulous. And I don't think it was ever an, a big deal to her. And I think on several occasions, she's always said to me, I don't care who you love or, you know, what sexual orientation you are, as long as you're a good person. 
and that you treat other people with kindness and respect mm. and, and live your life that way. With my dad, it was very different. And I think it was quite hard for him to this day, but he's, he's tried really hard to accept it. He's been more than, not always successfully, but more than gracious about it to my face. But in terms of Thai community, the Thai community in this country, as it is in many countries, is very much focused around the Thai temple. The Thai temple is not somewhere that anybody, whether you're straight or gay, bring your sexuality to. Mm-hmm. It's somewhere where you bring your heart to, somewhere where you bring your kindness to. In terms of being gay around other people in the community, it's never been a problem. And even though we've always had those gossips, and you know who I'm talking about, certain older people who love to talk about other people's business, when it came to people's sexuality, they were never that bad about it. It never became an issue. And again, I feel as if I was always judged on my sort of personal merits, you know, how nice I was as a person as opposed to who I slept with. So in that respect, I'm really fortunate and I've got a lot of time and a gratitude to the Thai community for that because they've never made me feel like an outsider. No, just from my experience being friends with, with you, Bear, like I mm. felt like exactly what you said, like I knew that you were, you know, you were gay from when we were young. And to <laughs> me, I never, I never thought that was any different. I didn't see it as anything that was weird. But you were just my friend regardless. Mm. And I remember us even playing with Barbie dolls at one point. <laughs> and, I, and I remember, and I remember it just never felt odd. It never felt strange. It no, never felt... No weird and so for me that's who you've been I've always accepted you for who you are and I think you're absolutely right your your friends around you is a a huge thing isn't it it's Mm -hmm. something who you surround yourself with is very very important I have to interject I hated the way you dressed your Barbie dolls I have to say (laughs) (laughs) I can't even remember (laughs) I can't even remember I was like what is she doing probably bad really bad I can't remember (laughs) Um, funny. But it's interesting you talk about your, your dad and how you, yeah. you know, how yeah. you came out to your family, because that's the next question mm. that we were going to mm. ask is sort of how did you tell your family? How did they react? And I remember one little memory of us that you told me, well, you introduced me and uh, Deborah would understand about, to makeup, basically, like to to we looked at Shumira. <laughs> Shumira was like a huge brand back then, wasn't it, Bear? Yeah. And um, basically, we talked about like you put that on. I remember you putting that makeup on, and I remember mm. I think it was your dad. He might have said, "Do you have makeup on?" or something like that when we walked out the house. Really? Yeah, I remember that moment, and I I didn't. To me, that didn't feel different or weird mm. or strange. No, no, but, no. But, but I just wondered, sort of going back to that question, how did it feel when you had to come out to your dad? Um, it was really weird. I mean, going back to that memory of yours, and it's really weird, it's, it's interesting because, you know, the new generation of gay people, makeup for them and expressing yourself, you know, as non-binary is a real thing now. And I'm so proud of them. I love the new generation. I try to keep up with their music. I try to keep up, you know, with what they're wearing. They are the future. Do you know what? Where previous generations of gay people haven't succeeded, they're really pushing the agenda, not just in terms of sexuality, but in terms of gender disparity, in terms of colour disparity. They're brilliant. Whereas back then, when I was putting makeup on my face, I didn't see it as, as expression of my of my sexuality or indicative of being LGBT at all. To me, it was a creative, it was like, it was fun. You know, it was like how a child sort of like ends up sort of using paint or Play-Doh. It was creative and it was fun and, and it was really good. And, and I realised that I couldn't play with that with the boys that we knew, but I definitely could play with that with you. Mm. So at first it's confusing. And then, and like all children, when your parent disapproves, especially your father when you're a son, it really hits you hard and you're like, oh, okay. And that memory you have is probably one of the earliest times where I actually 
felt really hurt and scared because I was like, no child wants their parents' disapproval. Mm-hmm. And after that, you learn to sort of like to hustle, to sort of you know, um, hide those parts of yourself from that parent because you don't want that disapproval. I want to sort of go back a bit, actually. Two weeks ago, and it's really amazing that I'm doing this interview now because two weeks ago, I was actually part of a Zoom call, which was actually a study on Asian men and mental health. And it was it was me and six other Southeast Asian men. So they had an East Asian group, they had a Southeast Asian group, and they had people from South Asia. So each group was from a different area, and they also had Caribbean. But it was all about sort of men from those areas and mental health. All of them were immigrants, like you know, like us, you know, so mm-hmm. part of a diaspora. And it was the first time I'd really spoken about mental health with other Asian men. One thing that stuck in my mind was a Chinese guy, a really lovely Chinese guy from Birmingham, and I still can't get over hearing Asians speaking with like strong, strong Brummy accents. Or, or strong um, northern accents yeah northern accents it really sort of freaks me out I'm like oh my god but he was talking about how and he was straight this, this this group was not based on sexuality it was based upon yeah. cultural and ethnic background and mental health and he was talking about how his father since as long as he can remember had this incredibly violent sort of cis male rage in him which is actually really common amongst Asian men who are first generation immigrants I don't understand it I don't know where it comes from. I don't know if it's really hard to be a cis male, if, you know, for that sort of, you know, first generation immigrant male. But I found the same in my father. And it's because you care for them. You don't want to give them more burden. And you, when you realise, and when they make you feel like, oh, actually, me being gay could be a really massive burden for him, you end up sort of hiding it, really, really hiding it. It all came about one day. So when I was 15, I started exploring what it was to be gay. And by then, there was, like, publications available, like in WH Smith's. And they weren't porno publications. They were community publications, like Attitude Magazine, The Pink mm. Paper, uh, Gay Times. And I used to just you know, drink it up. It was, like, articles about people like me and everything, every little advert sort of was you know aimed at people like me it was amazing and I was like wow so I bought these things with what money I had as a 15 year old and then eventually I think my father found them as fathers always do under my bed mm-hmm. and that was the you know apocalypse if you like it, it was that mm-hmm. conversation where he asked me into the guest room and I remember like the whole thing and he asked me are you gay you know and he wasn't saying it in a nice way he was mm-hmm. saying it in a real sort of like I don't know it was like absolute poker face no feeling mm-hmm. nothing mm-hmm. And um, I said, I kind of looked at him and I said, yeah, yeah. And I just broke down. I literally broke down and I was apologizing and I was saying, I'm so sorry, I'm saying so sorry. I, I, I literally felt like one of those sort of Japanese samurai that was just, you know, sort of kowtowing to the emperor and just saying, I'm so sorry, I didn't mean to you know, disrespect you and to dishonor you, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Um, I'm not going to share with you what he said back to me because it probably wasn't the kindest thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but at least it was out. At least it was out. Mm-hmm. And I remember spending the rest of the evening in my bedroom. And then I don't know if it's the same for all Asian cultures, but the dinner table is quite important. So by dinner time, I knew that I had to be at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. And it was probably the most awkward, like difficult sort of sitting down at the dinner table I've ever had in my life. Mm-hmm. Things were strange for a while. And I think we both decided, you know what, let's just carry on as normal. And things just gradually sort of became normal again. It was like nothing has changed, but everything had changed. And eventually I ended up leaving home when I was 16. Yeah, um, I, I, yeah, I left home really young 
And the part of it was this, this tension between me and him. I don't know if I was being unfair or if I was being hormonal. Looking back, I don't know if I was being rash, to be honest with you. I'm 40 now, over 40. And looking back, you're a lot kinder to yourself when you're older. But at the time, everything was just so much. Everything was so intense. But I ran away from home after that. And I never actually went back home. I went to a teacher who had always given me support and always given me understanding. I went to her house because I spent time at her before sort of doing study sessions and whatnot she had to obviously call my parents to tell me where I was they hadn't even noticed that I'd left oh my they, God. I, had, I, I, I know they were literally like in their in in their bedroom they hadn't even noticed that I'd left and here here I was sort of like just sort of having the worst day of my life ever um but yes and they were kind of shocked and everything fast forward a few years and my dad once broke down with me and he said that I hadn't given him a chance that somehow I'd been unfair that I hadn't given him a chance and I was like dad I gave you 16 years mm. you know to try and sort of like you know be there for me and you never were but I don't hold it against him you know and again it's difficult I think when you're you know born of immigrant parents because their cultural identity and their cultural norm is so different to what they brought you into and I don't think anyone who moves abroad permanently can prepare themselves for that well I'm putting myself in their shoes Mm. you know they have a very fixed idea of what it is to be English what it is to be successful in England and in a way my sisters because they were younger they've really sort of like actually succeeded and they've really sort of taken that torch and gone somewhere with it and I'm so proud of them but for me it was like I was kind of a test subject so all of my parents mistakes sort of got practiced on me if you like and there was a lot of them I mean I'm in a great place now I'm engaged to in fact one of the publishers of those one of those magazines that actually sort of okay. you know I, I used to buy back then you know which is amazing um, I've been with him for 20 years which is most of you know my gay adult life which is actually not not very common in in terms of gay people mm. but yeah coming out was was really hard at a sort of a personal level and sorry at a family level but at the same time, honestly, it was like it was like this incredible whoosh, like mm. freedom, you know, to be myself. And I think I think you know me, Amra. It was like mm. there was somebody inside me bursting to come out mm. anyway. And I don't know if I can call that gay, but it was definitely mm. me that needed mm. to come out. Yeah. And that was part of me. I'm lucky because I came out and I had the strength and this environment around me. I was in the capital city, you know, I had all this culture. Gay culture was getting to a point where it was just like just about to explode. And, and everyone was about gay was about to change forever before 1995 96 it was a very different story but I just happened to be on that wave when everything was changing I think you've kind of answered the question about whether you know the next one which was do you feel the need to hide your sexuality especially within the ESA community but you can add to that if you feel there's anything yeah. that we might I have missed I, I never felt the need to hide it from the community like I said it, it's a very understanding community high community and at different levels one of the things is that I think LGBT people have always had um, representation and presence in in Thai culture. And this is before the UK. There's always been trans. There's Mm -hmm. always been gays. There's always been lesbians. Mm -hmm. Nobody talks about it because ultimately, and that's not because it's LGBT, but ultimately in Thailand, nobody really talks about the real things. (laughs) So no one, you know, no one really talks about what it is to really be human and the life experience. Everyone talks about everything else. Mm -hmm. Everyone loves to talk about money. Everyone loves to talk about other people's business. But when it comes to the real things, nobody talks about it. So it wasn't really that hard for me to be gay. Mm -hmm. I think if I'd grown up in Thailand, it would 
have been different because I know a lot of working class Thai gays have had to run away, have found themselves homeless before they've actually sort of like found themselves in a secure position. A lot of trans people have been alienated. But like I said, saying that there, there was always more of a presence of LGBT in Thailand than there has been in a lot of the Western Christian societies. Oh, for um, sure. Yeah, and for that I'm lucky. And sort of being specific to London, because the London Thai community has always been focused around the Wimbledon Temple, which is somewhere you don't take your sexuality to. You know, you just take your best self to. I've never felt alienated at all. No. at all yeah and because yeah. I've got friends like you and, you know which is which is like yeah the best thing no that that means a lot and oh gosh I mean this this whole conversation because this is like something that we've never really spoken about really so no. this is we never had to no we never had to never had to <laughs> yeah. and to be honest I hope that this will be something that will be an eye-opener for people to say you know look you know look at your story and look what's happened and where you are now it's amazing yeah. so but one of the things that was quite interesting that I thought that you spoke about was family and like I have relatives as well in Thailand that are gay and they're lesbian mm. and my family are very supportive of that actually on my mum's side very specifically and I think that's helped my my cousins quite a fair bit because a lot of them mm. have chosen to go down that path and we don't even batter an eyelid it's just <sighs> the way it is you know I don't know if you've if you've had the same experience, Amra, and maybe perhaps you as well, Deborah, in your community, but in Thailand, there's this thing, like, I have this uncle, yeah, and I'm not going to say who, and it's, and, and it's an uncle on my mum's side, who, for the longest time, has had a friend and has lived with this friend and you know maybe talks about you know sort of like all of his sort of like show tunes and musicals and you know and sort of like you know you know brightly colored scarves it's like oh come on already just get over it he's gay you know what I mean it's like yeah. but, but but you know that's my mum's generation I yeah think spoke, you know that that was what gay men did you, you lived with your friend I mean fair dues I, I you know I'm so impressed because those friends often have relationship or they, they have relationship with their partner for like decades mm. you know but for the whole time they have to actually sort of call them their friend not their partner or their mm. spouse hopefully things are changing now I'd like to think so I follow a lot of sort of like Thai popular culture magazines and blogs and there seems to be a lot more acceptance and also a lot more campaigning going on for gay presence yeah. in, in Thai culture which is great I love that yeah I mean that kind of is similar to the question I'm just about to ask you but okay. has there been any role models I suppose within the Thai community but also just role models in general that have made you feel comfortable about coming out when you did or just through your journey do you know what Amran I looked at this question because mm. uh, for those of people who are watching this I got sent these questions before the interview just to give me a heads up and I stared at that question for the longest time of any mm. of the other questions because mm -hmm. I was trying to think about it I was like I had it quite hard because there was no role models for me mm. you know yeah you can think about in the great sort of on the world stage yes there are role models I can list Madonna I can list James Baldwin I can list a few, several people but in terms of just Thai community I was pretty much on my own yeah. and because like I said the older generation did things differently you lived with your friend you never spoke about being gay you never identified as being gay even though your life behind closed doors was actually gay I didn't have anything to show me how things should be done and so no I didn't have a role model but the closest thing I did have to a role model I think a probably the women in the Thai community. And I'm not saying that as a gay cliche. I mean, mm. honestly, 
whether it's you, Amra, or my mother, or my aunties, or my other Thai friends, your ability to actually sort of, you know, make a voice for yourself, make a stand for yourself as Thai community diaspora was amazing. Because you're not only in a different country, you're in a whole new decade, a whole new social environment, social landscape. And the way that you, Amra, and other people I know have succeeded as people of colour in the position that you are, as female people of colour, I think that's amazing. So I always thought, wow, if my mum can do that, if my mum can actually overcome, you know, all of this and be so bloody amazing and you Amra you know live the life the way you do then I can because ultimately I don't think that there's any equality for any of us until women are actually given equality and respected equally because that ultimately I think is, is the battle I mean so much of what it is to be gay in Thailand in Thai community in Caribbean community in Northern European community isn't actually homophobia it's actually misogyny what I'm told every day is if you behave like a woman mm -hmm. if you are feminine if you do anything which even resembles you know femininity then you are somehow weak you are mm -hmm. somehow you know less mm -hmm. you know less of a person so ultimately I fight misogyny every mm -hmm. single day nowhere near as much as you or any other woman that I know but mm -hmm. definitely that's what we're fighting and to me you know women will always be my role models because you know what you overcome on a daily basis is incredible so nice <laughs> <laughs> Is there any questions, Deborah, that you want to ask? I just found it really interesting when you mentioned you saying your experience perhaps would have been different if you had grown up in Thailand, mm. because perhaps, obviously, you will never know unless you have that experience directly. But perhaps, you know, you've heard so many stories about people running away or being alienated by the society. I found that really interesting because growing up, especially as a, an EC female in Britain, especially in the Korean community, Chinese community, I didn't hear a whisper or peep about you know anything to do with the LGBTQ community and the only kind of references that I had or anything within the EC community was always Thai the Thai community yeah. and Thailand and so for me I always from a very young age felt like oh Thailand's so forward you know I always <laughs> felt like that you know very forward thinking we're talking decades ago and even now way yeah. ahead versus any other like EC community so that's actually something that I did want to ask about was you know oh. why and perhaps there's a question towards Amara as well why do you think particularly with the Thai community that it's so open and accepting so it was quite interesting to hear like there is that other element where there is the alienation and I'm quite obsessed with sort of anthropology in some ways and I'd like to make connections around the Pacific cultures and I think the further south you go so around the Pacific Rim mm -hmm. and I mean Southeast Asia right the way down to Polynesian islands mm -hmm. there's very much a an element of live and let live Thai people would love to call it Buddhism but I don't think it's Buddhism I think it's deeper than that I think it's something that's much older mm -hmm. and it's very much a live and let live sort of attitude I think that part of the world Southeast Asia Pacific Rim has always been plentiful in terms of food and produce so there's never really been much issue or much need for people to fight or get distressy with each other even when it comes to sexuality that said there are areas like the Philippines and Indonesia you know which I have huge respect for and, and, and much love but they're obviously taken on religious aspects like Catholicism mm -hmm. and, and Islam which have had a, an effect on the way that they view LGBT mm -hmm. people. I follow this quite closely. I mean, I love this publication online called Coconuts, which I think it comes out of Singapore, but it sort of covers local and cultural news across Southeast Asia. And they're always talking about LGBT attitudes in places like Indonesia and Philippines, and they're changing slowly. But like I said, you know, that part of Southeast Asia, I think, has always 
had a let and let live attitude, you know, and to some extent, you know, if you don't ask, you don't tell. So people just get, you know, get to live their lives. East Asia, I think, has always been different in the sense that I think there's been an awful lot more hardship in East Asia culturally, which means that where there's cultural hardships, there, there are usual social tensions. And one of those things that, you know, that are, that are always attacked straight, you know, straight away when there are social tensions is sexuality. Also, I find that I think with East Asia, politically and culturally and socially, they've always been more conservative. I can't say that's better or worse. It's just a difference in the culture. Mm-hmm. I do feel sometimes, I mean, I'm, at the moment, I'm loving Taiwan. Taiwan to me are like, just incredible mm. their sort of attitudes towards lgbt and the size of their pride every year and everything is just amazing i like to kind of think that they're probably they're, they're trying to sort of i think being be provocative against the sort of the greater chinese culture because mm. obviously in mainland china is still taboo in mm. fact it's still illegal so that's why they're doing it but whatever they're doing it's amazing i do feel a lot for some of my Chinese peers, because Chinese people I know who have come out as LGBT have been completely cut off from their families. That's not something you hear so much from when it comes to Thai families, but when it comes to Chinese, Japanese, Korean, is that that's a lot more common. I think the notion of honour has a much bigger hold on East Asian communities, mm-hmm. and somehow by coming out as gay as a son, less so as a lesbian, but but definitely you know that's also difficult. You're dishonouring your family, which I think is really old and outdated, and mm-hmm. you know shouldn't be around anymore I'm, I'm complimented Deborah I think that's quite poignant Thailand is definitely you know unique in its acceptance and also the LGBT presence in the Thai community and Thai culture yeah I think what I wanted to add really was when you were talking about the idea that when you go to the temple you're not judged you said it's not so much to do with Buddhism but it ties in with when you go to the temple you're not really judged so mm. when I go to Thailand it's just so common to see people that are gay lesbian or transsexual or transvestites it's just Mm. common and it's I don't know I can't answer that question Deborah like I I don't know why that is it's like I said I think people are just allowed to live their life the Mm. emphasis in in Thai culture and Thai religion is to just be a decent human being yeah and that and that means charity that Mm. means empathy that means you know living life without greed and selfishness Mm. and ultimately who you sleep with or who you spend your life with doesn't have an impact on that it's not at the forefront of Thai people's importance. Every like alpha straight male I know has a really close gay friend in Thailand. That's always the case. Could probably write a thesis on it, but I won't have time to explain <laughs> it now. <laughs> no, you you honestly explained it so eloquently, and everything you said made absolute sense. But that's something honestly that I've have like witnessed all my life, and I know what you're saying about Taiwan which is incredible but I think that's more of a more recent you know however many years movement whereas with Thailand it's always I've always felt like it was Thailand's always as a country been so forward with that so don't underestimate the American influence as well because so much of modern Thailand is Mm -hmm. is because of the American influence and I'm going to go back to that actually when you ask me something that very few people know about Thailand but when my mum tells me about you know America coming in you know it wasn't just the American soldiers that came into Thailand you had the American movies the the attitudes the the, you know the food and the music you know so I wouldn't be surprised if that had a massive influence on sort of the liberal attitudes in Thailand I mean Mm -hmm. Thailand's really bad at keeping history so it's very difficult for us to look back and know exactly where things changed I would hazard a guess that Americans had a big part to play in that Mm. it's a combination of everything 
to be honest mm. but I, I honestly think that value of who you are as a human being like your soul is always places priority is so beautiful and I think I mm. wish everyone thought like that but sadly it's not the case but yeah was, yeah and you, I think you have some nice questions you want to ask Deborah don't you yeah so um with every guest we, <laughs> with with every guest we try to ask three slightly different questions so uh just some quick fire questions obviously Thailand I think a lot of people in Britain are quite familiar with perhaps whether it's stereotypes or not general knowledge about Thailand but is there something that we perhaps wouldn't know that you'd like to share with us about Thailand? Okay so I'm gonna go a bit deep. Where I was born which is in Korad which is also known as Nakhon Ratsima is in the northeast of Thailand. It's, it's considered the second city of the northeast. The, 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 I think the capital is Konkan and that's part of a province called Isan and if you look at Thailand in the far sort of right hand corner there's like a big hump which cuts into Laos what a lot of people don't realize is that that whole part of Thailand is actually a very new addition to the actual geography it actually all used to be part of Laos and even then you can't really say it was part of Laos because Laos wasn't unified actually until I think end of the 19th century and it wasn't until after the Siamese Franco war which is where the Thais and the French fought for that little bit of land I think was over that that part of Laos was actually given over to Thailand. So before Thailand was had a sort of a huge sort of Laos bit, which wasn't actually even part of Thailand, but in the northern eastern corner, that's where I come from. That was only really settled, I think, at the beginning of the 20th century. And it took until the middle of the 20th century, mid-20th century, um, during what they call the Thaiification of the area, where the actual ethnic group that, that lived there actually were forced to become more Thai. It's a difficult conversation to have because my mother's from that area. Even today, to a large extent, if you come from that area, people take the, the mick out of you for being rural or country or what they call ban nav, you know, and, and that's that's associated with somebody who comes from the Laotian bloodline. And there's a terrible sort of racism which goes on, which is attached to that because if you're dark, then somehow you're a second-class citizen. And and that's also attached to being Laos and being Isan, which is really unfair. But my fact is that Thailand was not actually what you think of Thailand until very relatively recently, the mid 20th century. Great fact. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> um, Blow, but, blowing but, me away. I didn't know about that. <laughs> yeah. So, but Amber, you know that bump at the top right hand corner where you have like, you know, all of our northeastern cities? None of that was ours. That was actually all given over. Some people say it was given by the French, I know, but some people say that it was taken or some people said it was an agreement. Again, like I said, Thailand's not very good with history. So you no, have several, yeah. you have several, Variations. several <laughs> versions of the truth. Yeah. 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 But then it also depends whose perspective and whose story it is as well. So, isn't it? Exactly. Any yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, second question, to be a little bit more lighthearted. Uh, I, uh, I understand you're a big Madonna fan, so I think I will know the answer to this. <laughs> But what is your go-to karaoke song? Like a Virgin. There you go. <laughs> That's a classic. Always will be. <laughs> like a Virgin. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do that on camera for you one day. Yes. <laughs> you, must, you must roll along the floor as well, like she does in her MTV Movie Awards with things you did, yeah. Amber, <laughs> you've seen that like a, a hundred times. You've seen me do that a hundred times. I, I, it's, 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 there's nothing new. <laughs> That's hilarious. And then last but not least, 
what advice would you give your younger self? And it could be on anything. I would say be more patient. Don't rush into things. And there's, you know, there's plenty of time. I used to rush into things and, you know, and I wanted to meet so many people and, and see so many things that I ended up leaving things behind. I mean, I, I say to myself now that I'm the queen of burning bridges without even realising it. Even sort of like when I left home, I mean, I'm, to this day, I don't know if it was the right thing to do. I think I was actually being very hasty and very emotional. I could have actually probably dealt with it better. But I would say be more patient, give yourself more time, um, don't rush into things. That's what I would say. Yeah, great I mean, advice. I think we could yeah. all take on that yes. <laughs> advice. <laughs> That's great advice. Yeah. So before I wrap up, is there anything else that you wanted to say, Amra or Bear? Is there anything else before I wrap up? There is. I wanted to speak about anybody who is watching this and they might be young from an Asian community and they feel like they might be LGBT or identify as LGBT. Something I didn't speak, something I didn't mention in the previous questions is something that really helped me a lot was youth groups. I'm so grateful because I actually found through the publications that I, we didn't have internet in those days, but through the, <laughs> but through the publications that are, you know, that, that I mentioned earlier, I found youth groups across London and every area had its own LGBT youth group. And now they're even better and they're more funded and there are more, you know, there are more of them. It's the best place to start because they'll give you safe, safe spaces. They'll give you advice. A lot of people, some people don't find those youth groups until they start going to gay bars and clubs. And those those places can be vicious. They can be really intimidating and really exploitative environments. I would say look up, you know, your local LGBT youth group and, and you know, and hit them up. Go to theproudtrust.org or go to stonewall.org.uk. They'll have a list of places you can go and talk to. Whether you're gay, straight, or even a little bit bi, you know, but you're not mm. quite sure. Get in contact. Speak to them. You're not by yourself. Yourself. And it doesn't mean that you're committing to something lifelong. One of my closest friends, he identified as gay for about five years and then decided that he was actually more in love with a woman than he was with a man, which is also okay. Don't suffer in silence. There are places for you to go. Um, yeah, I would say hit up a youth group. And, you know, that was the best thing I ever did. That's amazing advice. Great advice. Um, Following on from that, we will definitely add all the links that Bear's just mentioned down below in the description bar. So, and also we obviously always ask everyone to reach out, ask any questions, share any feedback. And obviously not only myself, but also and Amra and Bear, we would love to hear from you about this particular episode, this topic. Feel free to reach out to us in private as always as well. Thank you so much, Bear. Thank for you. Just being on, Thank honestly, you. We, we've learned so much, but also you have been so eloquent you've been so deep and honest with us like honestly we're so so grateful I love to talk <laughs> <laughs> no honestly like it, this that episode actually really touched me so yeah thank you so oh, much thank for you agreeing to thank be you on this so episode. much thanks Deborah thanks Amra no thank you so we look forward to seeing you on our next episode please don't forget to subscribe and like this video we'll see you next time bye guys <laughs> Amazing. <laughs>